and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, October 26, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world, and it's got to be just 13 days away from Marijuana Election Night 2016. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Just uh, got back from the mall, picked up my uh, suits, got two new suits to wear for election night. Don't know which one I'll wear, but I got two new suits which has become necessary because I've lost a whole lot of weight. I've lost about 45 pounds so far, and none of my suits are fitting anymore. So I had to go buy new clothes, and I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to wear them because our uh, Marijuana Election Night coverage is going to not just be audio. It will be video as well. Uh, We're going to have like three cameras set up and uh, cameramen and video switchers and directors. And oh my God, it's going to be huge. It's Tuesday, November 8th at the uh, Doubletree downtown in Los Angeles. We're at the Drug Policy Alliance Prop 64 watch party in Los Angeles. So it's going to be a great show. We'll be bringing you all sorts of interviews with uh, the movers and shakers in the marijuana movement, marijuana industry. We'll even have the opponents of these uh, marijuana measures talking to us as well. So check that out. We're also going to be bringing on some celebrities and some athletes. Uh, I just was informed just today that we'll have a couple of athletes joining us. I can't tell you who yet. We got to get everything inked. But uh, once we do, uh, I'll let you know. You'll be the first to know. On today's show, we've got all sorts of stuff to talk about because, of course, this election is coming up really quickly and there's a lot of things going on in our segment today for marijuana election night our preview of election night we're going to be talking with ryan denham he's with arkansas compassion and they're working on the medical uh medical cannabis act i think it is yes it's the medical cannabis act the medical marijuana amendments the other one it's issue seven down there in arkansas the one that we'd like to see pass that uh, is a little bit more uh, lenient on the conditions and allows some patients to home grow But both Issue 6 and Issue 7 in Arkansas are facing an uphill climb in the polls. So we'll talk to Ryan about that and see what we can do to help them out to bring some medical marijuana to the natural state. Also on the show today, we'll have time to get into a radical rant where I'm going to let you know the latest in my ongoing battle against Dragon Lies, Litigious Pecker, and the Worldwide Warrior and more. Uh, The collective group I call the Stoners Against Legalization. That'll be at the bottom of this hour. Also on the show today in drug war data mining, we've got a new report out from the Marijuana Policy Group taking a look at the economic impact of Colorado's legalization. Uh, This should be some great data for the five states looking to pass their own legalization. In our cannabis focus today, we'll take a look at the Emerald Triangle in California and how they're readying for the adjustment to legalized marijuana through the use of regional appellations. This is something we know a lot about in the world of wine, and it looks like that's the way it's going to be with the world of cannabis. So we'll tell you all about that right after the Cannabis Radio News. And in the headlines today, we've got some more shenanigans going on with the Amendment 2 vote in Florida. The latest update coming up in the news. 
Alaska is setting the rules for their employment regulations if you want to be a part of the cannabis industry, but they're setting them far too strict. We'll tell you what's wrong there. The city of Santa Ana has uh, come up with a settlement in the case of a raid that took place last year where police were caught on camera abusing a, 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 a handicapped woman. It was just terrible. It got a lot of response. We'll tell you about that settlement. In Ohio, a case of an unarmed black man being shot by police uh, has a development that involves marijuana. We'll tell you about that. And in Shelby County, Tennessee, apparently a joint costs $90. We'll tell you about that. That's all coming up right after this first break here. I'm Radical Russ live in Potland, Oregon. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. All you have to do is decriminalize. We don't need a government regulation to tell us this is good pot, that's bad pot. We don't need any of that. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I opted for convenience to use my personal email account. Okay, maybe you're high too. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, October 26, 2016. Hours after... Hours after a Broward judge said she was ready to rule quickly on a case about ballots missing the Florida medical marijuana amendment, a new wrinkle appeared Tuesday evening. Two more voters found Amendment 2 missing on their ballots. Normal of Florida, a group that supports reforming marijuana laws, filed a new emergency motion Tuesday night asking the court to hold a rehearing in its lawsuit against Broward's supervisor of elections, Brenda Snipes. The voters are, quote, 
victims of the respondent's failure to carry out her constitutional duties and face the prospect of being deprived of the right to vote on matters of great public concern, end quote. Attorney Russell Cormican wrote in the new motion. Alaska's growing marijuana industry is attracting workers, but proposed regulations for employees that many have deemed too harsh may keep industry hopefuls from entering the field. State Marijuana Control Board Chairman Peter Mlanarek said rules are meant to ensure new hires have some sort of background check. But critics question why they are inconsistent with those required for similar worker permits for Alaska's alcohol businesses. Under the draft regulations, Alaskans can't obtain a marijuana handler's permit if they have a felony conviction in the last five years, have been convicted of illegally selling alcohol in the last five years, or have been convicted of a misdemeanor crime involving violence, weapons, dishonesty, or a controlled substance. The rules differ from employee licensing requirements for Alaska's alcohol businesses, which require new hires to complete training for an alcohol professional's card, also known as a TAP card. Applicants for the TAP card have no criminal restrictions at all, according to Kristen Miles, vice president of operations for the Cabaret Hotel, Restaurant and Retail Association. That's the lobbying organization that represents alcohol and hospitality business interests in Alaska. The city of Santa Ana, California, has settled a case with a marijuana dispensary that drew attention for how police misbehavior was caught on camera during their raid of the premises. Santa Ana will pay $100,000 to settle a federal lawsuit over a controversial raid last year where police officers were eating snacks and demeaning a handicapped woman, including referring to her amputated leg as a, quote, fucking nub, end quote. The city will also dismiss misdemeanor charges against a dozen people accused of unlawfully operating the dispensary, Sky High Holistic, at the time of the May 26, 2015 raid. The settlement proceeds will be divided among Marla and David James, who are volunteers at Sky High, and Dr. Bradley Idelson, a physician whose nearby office was left without power and water during the raid and is not affiliated with the dispensary. The bust, which went viral, led to the suspension of three police officers who are no longer employed by the Santa Ana Police Department. Police have not said why the trio aren't with the department. They have been charged with misdemeanor petty theft and scheduled to be back in court next month. An Ohio judge has ruled that jurors can be told about marijuana in the car driven by an unarmed black man fatally shot by a white police officer after a traffic stop. Hamilton County Common Pleas Judge Megan Shanahan, however, rejected defense efforts Wednesday to also introduce records of 43-year-old Sam Dubose's long conviction history or about his health. Former Officer Ray Tenzing is charged with murder and, invol- and voluntary manslaughter in the 2015 shooting of Dubose, who was pulled over for a missing front license plate near the University of Cincinnati. Tenzing's attorney, Stuart Matthews, has said his client feared for his life as Dubose tried to drive away. Courtroom questioning of potential jurors begins Monday. A vote on a Shelby County, Tennessee ordinance that lessens the penalty for possession of a half ounce or less of marijuana was sent to Monday's full commission on Wednesday without a vote. Commissioners spent more than an hour debating the law that gives law enforcement the option of issuing a citation with a $50 fine and up to 10 hours of community service. Sheriff's Office Chief Inspector Mark Kellerhall cautioned commissioners that Colorado has seen increased problems since marijuana was legalized and similar issues could arise if the penalty here is reduced, giving the public the impression that marijuana is legal. That half ounce, Keller Hall said, could produce up to 33 joints and be worth as much as $3,000. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, October 26, 2016. I'm Russ Belville.
We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Prop 64 makes marijuana legal in California for adults 21 and over. And here's what else it does. Bans marijuana use in public. Permits sales only at licensed marijuana businesses, not at grocery or convenience stores. And Prop 64 generates a billion in new tax revenue for California to fund after-school programs and job training and placement initiatives. Learn more at yeson64.org. Vote yes on 64. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Each year on my birthday, every American gets a cupcake. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Get in on the ground floor of the cannabis industry. Join me at the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference Saturday, November 19th at the Ashland Hills Hotel and Suites in beautiful Southern Oregon. You'll learn the latest on rules and regulations from Oregon Liquor Control Commission Chair Rob Patridge and our lineup of experts in the Oregon cannabis industry and marijuana law. Plus, I'll be interviewing the legendary Tommy Chong in the closing session, who will also be attending our incredible OMBC VIP after party with a live performance from Dell the Funky Homo Sapiens. Finally, someone let me out of my cage. Get your tickets at OregonMBC.com and hurry because early bird rates won't last long. It's the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference, Saturday, November 19th in Ashland, Oregon. OregonMBC.com The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today at the Cannabis Focus, I want to take a look at the Emerald Triangle in California. We talked about this yesterday on the show as well in my uh, radical rant about how people don't deserve to make a living based on the suffering of others. Basically, if you need prohibition to keep the prices high enough to feed your family, That means somebody's going to prison, somebody's going to jail, somebody's life is being ruined in order to maintain your lifestyle. And that's just not right. So today I want to look at the growers in the Emerald Triangle who are looking to the future and recognize that it's inevitable that we are going to legalize marijuana. And they recognize also that the way capitalism works, the way production works, the way agriculture works means that the prices are going to drop. It's going to drop precipitously. So there's a story up now in uh, The Cannabis. It's a great story called Coveted Cannabis, Why California Weed Growers Are Pursuing Appellations Like Winemakers. Now, uh, let's first of all, uh, we're talking about Emerald Triangle, which is Humboldt, Trinity, and Mendocino counties. Now, A lot of people don't know about Trinity, but the name Mendocino or the name Humboldt 
is almost like a brand at this point where you think of that as the best marijuana or, or the, the best place to grow marijuana. And right now in, in those three counties, uh, according to uh, real estate broker Kevin Sullivan uh, up there in Humboldt County, he says, quote, it's like a gold rush. People are coming from all over the place, from different states, and they're all buying to grow or to split the land up for multiple people to grow. It's pot on crack and it's driving prices up. End quote. That's uh, prices of the uh, land, I would suppose. But the, uh, the land grab that's going on there and, and, and the growers that are already there are starting to recognize that they have something that the people want. And that is that appellation, that brand, that region that kind of means quality. It means fantastic weed. And they are setting this up. And Prop 64, by the way, contains uh, the, the language within it to recognize and to enforce these regional appellations. Now, this is a system that comes from the world of wine. And uh, Wine Magazine uh, talks about how it's based on precisely defined regions, sometimes even just a single vineyard. And the uh, Emerald Triangle growers now are looking down to the Napa Valley, the wine country in California, to try to figure out how to come up with marijuana's equivalent. So the law, 64, is going to allow that. And it's kind of like what you got in Europe. Uh, in Europe, if, uh, if you want to uh, sell some champagne, it's got to come from the champagne region in France. There's an actual region uh, named champagne. You've got, and that's the only place that can call their stuff champagne. Everybody else has to call it sparkling wine. Sparkling wine. And there's over 60 appellations in just France alone uh, in their Bordeaux region. So in, in uh, California, we will have these appellations for Mendocino grown or Humboldt grown. And it's going to be against the law under Prop 64 to be able to market or brand your marijuana with those regions if they aren't really grown there. So this could be something that's really going to make a difference as far as the economy up there and, and as far as how these growers are going to transition into this new legalized world. That brand is going to face is going to fetch premium prices, and maybe that's how they can keep feeding their family by selling boutique weed to the uh, high end consumers. And not for much longer, just another thirteen days before we pass Prop sixty four. Looking very forward to that. Also, hey, it's 4.20 in the Mountain Time Zone. I want to shout out to my friends in the Rockies to check out Munchies on Vice. Our good friend Ganja John stars in that episode, as well as Todd Armstrong, another friend of ours. Check it out, Munchies on Vice.com. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. 
Mr. Dauber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dauber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dauber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Senator Mark Madsen of Utah. Mark, welcome to the show. Everybody kind of turns a blind eye. They obviously have to go to some other state. Representative Lou Fredericks. We're going to get something on the order of nonviolent possession offenses. State Representative Kathy Tilton. Where does it go from personal use to commercial use? It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at a great new report out from the Marijuana Policy Group, MPG. You can find them at mjpolicygroup.com if you'd like to find the report for yourself. And this report is on the impact of marijuana legalization on the state of Colorado. And some great numbers coming out of this report that will be of benefit to anyone campaigning for legalization in the other five states that are uh, voting on it this year. So they've created a model, an economic model, to try to determine the overall impact of marijuana on Colorado's economy. It's called the Marijuana Impact Model. Using this model, MPG has found that legal marijuana activities in Colorado generated $2.39 billion in state output. $2.39 billion in state output and created 18,005 new full-time equivalent positions in 2015. In one year, 2015, $2.39 billion and 18,000 new jobs. So the industry being uh, wholly confined within Colorado means that the spending on marijuana creates more output and more employment per dollar than nine out of 10 of Colorado's industries. Think about that. Yeah, the, that's one impact that we've got of federal prohibition that we uh, is sometimes lost on us is that federal prohibition maintains all of these states as their own little kingdoms, their own little economic uh, areas that are isolated from the other states. 
You got other industries, they got to deal with money leaving the state. You know, companies that come in and make a profit and then take that profit out of state. That's not happening in the marijuana industry because it can't happen. We can't go out of state with our profits because of federal prohibition. According to the study, uh, the recent studies have uh, attempted to capture impacts by using uh, assumptions and data that grossly uh, erroneous results, that have grossly erroneous results. This study is using official data and should overcome those mistakes. So let's continue with some of the data from it. According to the MPG survey here, the MPG study, legal marijuana demand is projected to grow by 11.3% through the year 2020. And they predict this based on a, a shift away from the black market. And by 2020, they say the regulated market in Colorado will become saturated. We got another four years or so before it's reached its saturation point. They believe total sales value will peak near $1.52 billion per year. I think $1.5 billion a year is about what it'll end up being in Colorado. And the state demand will be 215.7 metric tons of flour, or what they call flour equivalents. Market values are diminished somewhat by declining prices and the low-cost, high-THC products. 215 tons, $1.5 billion. In 2015, marijuana was the second-largest excise revenue source. They pulled in $121 million in combined sales and excise tax revenues. In one year, $121 million, which again means... Kevin Sabet needs to find $1.2 billion worth of uh, damages, uh, social costs, in order for his 2012 predictions to come true. The marijuana tax revenues were three times larger than alcohol tax revenues and 14% larger than casino revenues. They predict that marijuana tax revenues will eclipse cigarette revenues by 2020. Marijuana tax revenues will likely continue increasing as more consumer demand shifts into the market. Now, they also uh, recognized uh, $996 million in sales. The 121 was the taxes that they, re- they got off of that. And they've also found that uh, the impact of marijuana legalization upon tobacco and alcohol use is not included. And the issues such as public health, energy use, public education enforcement costs, incarceration costs, and worker productivity are not being considered as a part of this survey. Still, I think the numbers that we're getting from this are pretty powerful. When we can turn to other states and say Colorado is generating $2.39 billion in economic output because of this, not just the, the, the marijuana being sold, but all the ancillary industries, all the packaging, all of the other jobs that are created, 18,000 of these jobs, not all those jobs have to do with touching the plant. They're talking about all the jobs that have been created because of this new demand, because of this new economy in legal marijuana that's going to grow by 11.3% per year. You'd be hard-pressed to find any sort of industry you could invest in right now that's going to be growing by over 10% a year. And to bring in $121 million in sales and excise tax revenues, keep in mind, folks, that Colorado is not a big state as far as population goes. Was it 5 million, 6 million, something like that? But it's not a huge state. We start extrapolating these numbers over to California with 39 million people in the state. 
where the best marijuana is grown. I mean, those numbers that we get out of California in four years are going to be gargantuan. These are such great reports for us to get because they are so valuable in puncturing all of these scares and fear mongering and lies that are propagated by our opponents. And this is, these are the kind of reports that sink in with the non pot smokers out there with the people who, who even hate pot. They might hate pot, but we can convince them, hey, no matter what you do, pot's going to be here. Always has been. Always will be. Only question is, do we make $121 million a year on taxes on it? Or do we fund Mexican cartels and backyard growers and an underground economy? Choice seems pretty clear to me. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Ryan Denham from Arkansas Compassion. We're talking about Issue 7, medical marijuana in Arkansas. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I'm Jennifer Harris, president of the Sherwood City Council, a small business owner, and a proud mother. Like many communities, as we grow, Sherwood is in need of additional public safety resources and more help maintaining our infrastructure. Together, we have an opportunity to create new jobs and generate revenue if we defeat the ban on cannabis here in Sherwood. Bring jobs and revenue to Sherwood, vote no on Measure 34-264, and end the ban on regulated, taxable cannabis businesses. Paid for by Bring Jobs and Revenue to Sherwood. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I was against the war in Iraq, just so you put it out. The record shows I, otherwise. The record but why does it, not show why? Okay, maybe you're high, too. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. You're listening to Cannabis Radio News' exclusive coverage of Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. And today in our marijuana election night preview, we get the chance to head back down to Arkansas, where our friend Ryan Denham is working with Arkansas Compassion. Or is it Compassionate Arkansas? I always forget which way to uh, refer to that. Ryan, how you doing? 
good, good. It's actually Arkansans for Compassionate Care, and we're with uh, issue number seven, but I appreciate you having us on the show again. You bet. Arkansans for Compassionate Care. Now, uh, we've talked about the, the situation in Arkansas. Our listeners are, are familiar that there's two initiatives going on down there, an issue six and an issue seven, uh, six being the more conservative, limited version of the two. And uh, I just wanted to you know, find out what's happening with you guys down there. How is the fight going, and uh, what, are you, what are you looking forward to? Right. Well, so we're really uh, focused right now on just getting out the vote, you know, getting out the vote for issue seven. So uh, literally, as we speak, I'm actually pulled over to truck stop right now, but we're, we're getting out thousands of yard signs across the state that say yes on seven has, has a cannabis leaf on it. Um, so we're getting uh, yard signs. We've got hundreds of thousands of handbills. We've got uh, three video ads on Facebook that we're, that we're boosting right now. And we've got hundreds of volunteers across the state working early voting locations. So early voting started on Monday. And we've had a tremendous um, a, a, a group of folks that have came out across the state to talk to voters before they go in and vote. Oh, that's great news. And uh, send me a link to those uh, ads on Facebook. I'll get audio versions of those playing on our feed. Uh, I'd love to, to help promote that. Sure. Now, uh, Absolutely. we've been also following the polls, and the most recent polls that we got out of Arkansas showed a little bit of good news. Uh, talk Business and Politics gave you four more points of support from in October than you had in September, but it's still only up at 40 to 53. Are you worried about these polling numbers? No, not really. You know, I mean, this isn't a, a company that, that does polling. I, I, I don't put a lot of faith in those numbers. You know, in 2012, um, we, we failed by, by uh, less than 2% at, at the polls. So I, I really just can't see us losing ground since then. If, if anything, we've gained ground since then. Um, you know, the, the questions weren't randomized. Uh, I, I feel like the, the poll questions were a little biased. Um, if you go and look at the questions, um, I think they could have been written better. And, you know, we had a, a, a third-party poll that was done by an ally um, that showed that both six, issue six and issue seven were in the 60s. Um, oh, wow. This was a, a poll that had dozens of questions, and, and the sample, uh, I, thought, I think, was a lot better. The questions were phrased better. So, you know, we, we think we're, we're certainly higher than those numbers. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, only once in history that I can think of was there ever a decline in support for medical marijuana. And I, I'm thinking maybe it was South Dakota, but uh, memory escapes right. me. But uh, uh, yeah, I would think with uh, the 48 that you got in 2012 and over the past four years, people have learned more and more about this issue. And of course, the electorate, the younger folks are more there's more of them i would think that you guys would do pretty well uh as well uh the other question well, oh yeah go ahead well yeah just just real quick you know on top of that we've never stopped campaigning since 2012 so we've had boots on the ground since then and volunteers have been working so hard we've been talking to you know tens of thousands of voters so you know the 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 support has only grown here, and we've seen it. You know on the ground. Yeah, and this uh, this talk business and politics poll does seem to be kind of you know way off compared to some other polls I've seen. Uh, back in June, Public Opinion Strategies, which is a more reliable pollster, I would think, had uh, both of your issues. In fact, your issue was coming in sixty eight to thirty, and the other one was coming in sixty three to thirty five. So that's what, right. Yep. Is is there? I mean, is it too late now that we could get a different poll coming in, or is anyone going to be looking? at this again before the election? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be yes. I don't know if there's a third party that's going to do it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking to voters on the ground and we're finding overwhelming support. Um, you know, we've, only, we've, we've actually done a few exit polls, just, you know, even some conservative places, and we're finding, you know, right at 50% in very conservative places. Hmm. So, um, so we're, we're feeling pretty good about it, but we're giving it everything we got here. 
Well, the other concern we've got, of course, with two of these things on the ballot, things can get a little confusing because the issue six is a constitutional amendment. The issue seven is a statutory act. Has anybody figured out what happens if both of them pass? And then what do we do? Is there a tiebreaker or somebody flips a coin? What happens? Right. So, you know, it's kind of the worst case scenario for us. You know, we pleaded with this other group not to turn in their signatures. You know, we made the ballot a whole month ahead of them and they just wouldn't back down. And, you know, then they, of course, have sued us to try to kick us off. Um, but, you know, no one really knows what's going to happen if they both get over 50 percent. If they were both the same type of laws, like a constitutional amendment or a statutory initiative, they're both the same type, then the one with the most votes would win if they're over 50 percent. But since uh, the issue six is a constitutional amendment and, and we're a statutory um, initiative, some legal people think that, you know, they could possibly be intertwined with, with each other if if parts of ours didn't contradict in the, in the constitutional part. Um, portions of those could, could possibly be allowed to exist. You know, if they both get over 50 percent, it's probably going to end up in court. And that's unfortunately going to delay patients getting their, their medicine. Yeah. And, you know, it's an unfortunate thing, but but we're, we're pushing ahead. We ran, ran a really positive campaign, you know, even though we have a lot of, um, you know, distaste for the other campaign. We, we haven't been have not been telling people to vote no on six. And they haven't been they have not been doing um, a, a no campaign on us either. So we've tried to keep it as positive as possible and, and just focus on, you know, why cannabis is medicine. And, you know, we, we still have an opposition to respond to as well. And, and we don't want to get distracted, um, not setting the record straight when we talk about, you know, when responding to the, our opponents. Mm, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if that happens, how it turns out. I know here in Oregon, we had uh, we had considered a while uh, this idea that we'd we'd float a constitutional amendment that gave people the right to use marijuana and then a statutory act that defined how that worked. But that was with us working together on both of them, not two separate campaigns. So, yeah, this is right. this, this is going to be strange to see how this turns out. Now, now speaking of your opposition, uh, I've seen them finally putting out an ad, I think it was, with some doctor saying that uh, this is really just marijuana legalization. Uh, how, how has the ad been playing there in Arkansas? Are people responding to that? So they had a pretty small ad by it. It wasn't anything major. Um, you know, they're running it on, on Facebook and YouTube. And that was actually the Surgeon General, that, doc, that doctor that you saw. But, you know, more of the outreach they've been doing is they've been going on a lot of TV shows. We've had uh, three or four debates with the Surgeon General already. Um, and then, you know, they've had done a lot of press conferences with doctors and groups like the, the, the Farm Bureau Insurance and the Chamber of Commerce and other uh, hospitals that came out and you know, stood with them and, and opposed this. You know, they're using the typical talking points that, you know, marijuana is dangerous. Uh, there's already medicine on the market. Um, we need to extract cannabinoids and make FDA-regulated medicine. But one, one new one that we heard just the other day, and, it, and maybe it's not new, but we've heard it from the 1930s. Is Oh, no. I think we've – are you there still? I said this. Yeah. Sorry, we dro- you, you dropped me? off for a second. Say that again about the uh, the 1930s. Yeah, so we, we heard from the Surgeon General that, that he actually said at a, at, a, at a debate that marijuana causes men to grow breasts, larger breasts, man boobs. <laughs> and, you know, up until that point, he sounded like a, you know, relatively credible person and a, and a physician. But, um, you know, we were just kind of shocked to hear him say that on TV. Wow, that, that's quite amazing. You know, uh, I remember growing up in Idaho, being in a red state, kind of landlocked and very religious and conservative, how we were always like 30 years behind on on what was happening in the world. Is that a similar thing in Arkansas? Because it sounds like they're trying to use arguments that are 20 or 30 years old, and now we've got 25 states. Does does anyone still buy this stuff anymore? I, you know, I mean, I, I think there's a, a small group, portion of the population that probably, unfortunately, still does buy it. 
But, um, you know, things are changing here in Arkansas, and I think that, you know, Arkansans have, have seen what's happening in other states around the country, and, and, they, and they're starting to, to wake up and realize that, you know, this is a plant that can help a lot of people, and there's no good reason to stand in the way of it. So I think we're making a lot of headway here. You know, even if we don't win, that we've, we've you know, significantly changed um, the state of Arkansas and, and educated, you know, thousands of people on why this is medicine. So I, we're, we're winning over minds here, absolutely. All right. Well, that's good news. And so let's give people a chance to help you guys out. If you want to uh, donate to the campaigns in Arkansas or, or volunteer, I'm sure you could use phone bankers no matter where they're located. What are some of the contacts they need to know? Sure. So if, if you go to arcompassion.com, that's AR, like Arkansas, compassion.com. Uh, we have a, a donating a donate link on there. You can also uh, uh, volunteer at a phone bank, and uh, we're going to be uh, having some some online phone banking to help out. And if you donate, that'll help us pay to to boost our, our video ads on Facebook and, and reach as many Arkansans as possible. All right, so uh, get involved. Uh, find uh, Arkansans for Compassionate Care on Facebook and like that page, friend them, share that stuff with your social media groups, and make sure that uh, that all. Uh, gets spread around we can help them out no matter where we're located we can help out by raising the profile of this issue and uh, remember it's issue seven that we're uh, wanting to promote issue seven and and again tell folks the basic differences between six and seven sure we have more qualifying conditions we have 56 conditions issue six has 17 conditions Uh, we have an affordability clause to help out low-income patients we put all the state sales tax money back into the program to pay for the program and then what's left over, um, we use for that affordability clause. Uh, we allow patients to grow their own if they're more than 20 miles away from dispensary. That's five flowering, five seedlings. And the other, uh, the other initiative does not allow that at all. Um, those are kind of the main differences. We put the Department of Health in charge of everything. Um, the alcohol beverage control uh, has, has, a, has a role in the other one. Okay. And uh, I recently saw a report uh, from, I, was it your treasurer or somebody in the government saying that neither of these amend, uh, issues would pay for themselves? They'd, they'd be a financial drain? What's the response to that? Yeah. So, you know, really just kind of politically motivated scare tactic at the last minute. Um, if you look at the numbers, uh, they want to buy 20 new Dodge Rams that cost $800,000. They want to buy $100,000 worth of firefighter-style breathing apparatus. I don't know why they need all that stuff. Um, but, you know, you, you, you look at how they did the report, it, it's flawed. You know, states like Arizona and, and most of the other states have no problem paying for the operation of their program. And, you know, there's no reason to believe Arkansas would be any different. All right. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, Ryan Denham from uh, Arkansans for Compassionate Care. You can follow him on Twitter at ARCompassion. And, uh, Ryan, we'll talk to you on election night. Thanks for helping us out. All right. Thanks so much, Russ. Appreciate you. All right, stay tuned, folks. We'll have some time for a radical rant coming up. I'm going to give you the latest on Dragon Lies, Litigious Pecker, and the Worldwide Worrier. Oh, and let's throw in some Kevin Sabonders while we're at it. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers... 
from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Keith Strop, the founder of Normal, is here. The single most important victory will be California. We've got Steve D'Angelo. Well, the state of cannabis affairs in California is in flux. The guru of ganja, Ed Rosenthal. It's uh, better for people to be using concentrates. Weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Your grapefruits are no match for my Trump Towers. Okay, maybe you're high too. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome! a perfect platform to show people the, the, the support that this movement actually has. You know, this is, this is a, a new event for us, and look at how many people showed up and, and, and to, get, to come see this panel and to hear what the hell is being said about legalization and medical marijuana. Strength in numbers, strength in numbers. Yeah, you know, strength in numbers, and, and that's what this is, is to, to join all these, these like-minded people that believe in this cause, and uh, who better to have up here, you know, doing it, man? Tommy Chong, Dr. Dan. You know, he served time as an example. I was, a, I was thinking, too, you know, they got uh, the Republican, or the far right has the teabaggers. So we should create our own, or how about weed baggers? Weed baggers. We belong to the weed bagger party. The weed bagger party. And we believe, and we believe in giving love and a bag of weed to all our neighbors. That has to be a, 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 a part of our trip when we're when we do get it legal. Let's have a one day where everybody just gives weed to someone that needs it. We'll, 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 give, a, we'll give a new meaning to the word sacrilegious. <laughs> must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Well, everybody, as you know, I've been doing battle on Facebook and Twitter and various websites, comment sections 
with the Stoners Against Legalization, the annual or the the recurring disease that we have to deal with uh, in the reform movement that consists of self-interested rent-seeking prohibition profiteers who are opposing every effort to legalize marijuana. Every time there's been marijuana legalization on the ballot in every state that's done it, there has always been stoners against legalization. Now, their ranks sometimes swell depending on how bad the legalization is. For example, in, uh, in Ohio last year, the issue three, the, and we'll talk about that in hour two, by the way, uh, in Ohio's issue three was a pretty badly written legalization, and there was a whole lot of stoners against legalization. Here in Oregon with our Measure 91, it was a pretty well-written uh, legalization, and there weren't so many stoners. But there always is some group of stoners against legalization working with the cops and the prison guards and the piss testers and the rehabbers and all these folks to maintain the status quo. And nowhere is this more difficult and more annoying than California. Because, of course, California is the crown jewel of legalization. California is the big domino. When California goes legal, this changes not just the United States, but the entire world. That's how important Prop 64 is this time. And I was there in 2010 when Prop 19 failed. So I've lived through an initiative failing, and it was not fun. And the next election in 2012, I had to watch Oregon's Measure 80 go down in defeat. And it was not fun. And in 2015, I was in Columbus, Ohio, when their issue three went down to defeat. And it's not fun. It's never fun to lose a legalization vote. And it's interesting how this has divided some people in the community, how it's, how it's affected some people. Uh, before we came into the rant, you heard that clip of Tommy Chong and Be Real from Cypress Hill. That was recorded at the Spring Gathering uh, in, I think it was 2010, maybe? Maybe it was 2011. I don't remember how long ago it was. But uh, that, I played that clip just to, uh, to remember that there's two guys right there that are on opposite ends. Of Prop 64. Tommy Chong is in full-throated support of Prop 64. Be Real has come out against it. He's not alone. Shouldn't just pick on Be Real. He's, he's being joined by a number of folks. Um, and I've got clever nicknames for him, just like they have clever nicknames for me. There's Dragon Lies, and there's uh, Dragon Lies de la Loser. <laughs> there's uh, Litigious Pecker. There's the Worldwide Warrior. There's Kevin Sabonders. Um... There's all sorts of them out there, but they all kind of share similar traits. Some of these traits include, one, having been busted. A lot of these people have been busted in the past, and from that, they have developed a, what I call, fuck the man attitude. Fuck the man, man. Fuck government. Fucking, fucking government. Fucking regulations. Fuck that shit. They've got that kind of attitude, right? A very, you know... Uh, 20-something, naive, juvenile kind of uh, anarchist attitude. So to them, legalization is a bad thing because it's more government and it's more corporations and it's the, the evil Monsantos and the evil, uh, uh, the big billionaire moneymakers and the, Sean Parker is somehow evil now, right? It, it just, it folds into a bigger uh, a delusion, a, a bigger 
mental health problem. And that's, you know, it's this, it's, it's along the same lines of the people that are telling you chemtrails are poisoning the world and, and that the, the moon landing was faked. And it's all a big conspiracy run by these super powerful international entities. And, and what's troubling about this from my perspective is that it doesn't even make sense by their own internal logic. Obviously, it doesn't make sense from our logic, right? Hey, we're going to legalize weed. <laughs> Voting against that's stupid. It just, it's just self-evident, right? And the more you learn about Prop 64, the more stupid voting against it becomes. Did you know Prop 64 retroactively sets its punishments and sentencing? Retroactively. And what that means is, if you had been previously convicted of a felony for growing, let's say, let's say they caught you growing four plants. And you were convicted of a felony for that last year. They found you with plants. You got a felony. You're sitting in prison. You're sitting in jail. Or maybe not. Maybe you got probation. Maybe you're just on felony probation. Or maybe, maybe it was a while ago and you served your time and you're off papers, but you still have that felony on your record. You're a convicted felon. You can't buy a gun. You can't buy ammunition. You can't even have a gun. You uh, are ineligible for certain uh, jobs that require security clearances. And the rest of the jobs you have to mark down on this form that you've got a felony conviction. And when they find that's a felony drug conviction, good luck getting the job or the house. Good luck uh, on on things involving kids. If you want to be like a, a little league coach, forget about that. You're a convicted felon. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people roaming around California right now with that felony on their record. If they get busted for something else, even if it's a misdemeanor, the felony on their record becomes part of the decision in sentencing them. In certain cases, people that have felonies on their record, let's say you got two of them, you got two felonies on your record from that point forward, when you're sentenced, they, the judge can't even consider probation for you. He's got to put you in jail unless there's exigent circumstances. So there's all these thousands and thousands and thousands of people with felonies on their record right now, people sitting in cages right now. And when Prop 64 passes, all of its penalties, all of its legalities are retroactive. That means the four plants you were busted for, the four plants that gave you a felony, the four plants that are keeping you from buying a gun or getting a job or getting a clearance or whatever it might be. Those four plants aren't just legal in 2016. Those four plants become legal in 1985 when you got busted or 1992 when you got busted or 2006 when you got busted or yesterday when you got busted. Those four plants become legal. That felony drops off your record now. If you're in jail, you get released now. Felony gone. Same thing for transporting sales, possession with intent to distribute, all those felonies either become legal or get reduced to misdemeanors. So when these stoners against legalization come up to me and they say, uh, Prop 64 is going to kill medical marijuana. It's going to make patients pay 15%. What? I can only have six plants. Well, that sucks. We got to vote no. Then you better be prepared to tell some five- 10-year-old kid whose dad is sitting in a cage right now that daddy's going to have to sit in a cage for another couple of years 
because you don't want to pay taxes. That's what those people are arguing for. They are arguing for the maintenance of felonies. They are arguing for felonies to continue. They are arguing for the next person caught growing a plant without a doctor's permission slip to become a felon. So I'm not swayed by these arcane litigious arguments about how this lawsuit's going to overturn this thing that's going to fix that thing that's going to undo this thing that locks in that thing that then makes it so it's all perfect. Sorry, I don't buy it. What I believe is there's an initiative on the ballot that if it passes, marijuana felonies go away. Now, not all of them. There are some marijuana felonies that still remain under Prop 64. If you're selling to minors, if you're like you're selling to kids at the school or whatever, yeah, that's still going to be a felony. If you've got a third strike or an aggravated uh, count, aggravation can be toxic substances, hurting the watershed, environmental harm, registered sex offender, super strike, all those kinds. There are still some felonies. But if you're just a typical person that got busted selling, got busted growing, got busted trafficking, and you're a felon, that goes away with Prop 64. But these stoners against legalization, their arguments against that don't even make internal sense. Like, I've tried to follow them. I've tried to play devil advocate. Like, all right, let's just pretend that they're right. Let's pretend they're right and that Prop 64 is this elaborate scheme to undermine Prop 215 so Big Pharma can take over cannabis. And then what? what how does this work? Because... Why would Big Pharma pass an initiative that allows us to grow our own cannabis plants? Because if we're growing the cannabis plants, we're not going to need their pills, right? It doesn't even make internal logical sense <laughs> what they're trying to do here. Why would these, uh, why would the cops, why would the cops be all against this if, like they say, Prop 64 is funding the cops and it's going to allow them to bust more people for being over the limit. Oh, I know. It's because the cops secretly know that if they came out for it, then all the stoners would be against it. So they've decided to secretly or just just decided to pretend like they're against Prop 64 so that we'll vote for it and then they'll win because it'll pass and then they can bust everybody, right? It doesn't even make sense under their own internal logic. All right, that's all the time for Hour 1, but stay tuned. Hour 2 is next. we got plenty to talk about, including the latest Florida poll numbers, Arizona's DUI rules, the Halloween scare. Uh, We'll look back at Ohio and a look at Hillary Clinton's death row outfits. I'll explain later. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you manage, you grow it, you try it.